In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I break down the Sixers' 127-121 to loss to the Indiana Pacers as they resume the NBA season. From Ben Simmons' abysmal defense to Shake Milton looking like a deer in headlights, we go over all that went wrong in the disappointing opener. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, sports are back. Finally. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a diehard basketball fan, and that means you'll definitely want to be an athletic subscriber. From oral histories to video breakdowns, salary cap explainers to in-depth features, you can find it all at The Athletic. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash Sixersbeat, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash Sixersbeat for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. I guess from the top, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat. You can get a discount. We get credit from sending you. You can read much more of our thoughts on wonderful Sixers games that are up ahead. You know, we spend so much time wishing basketball was back in our lives. And that goodwill lasted about eight minutes until we... uh we started wondering whether or not this is actually a net positive for our emotional health. How you doing, Rich? We're back, baby. <laughs> yeah. That game had everything. You know, from a Sixers perspective, you had a, a Joel Embiid going back to the locker room, and I had people tweeting at me that you can't count on him and that you have to trade him. Like, that happened. Then you had, obviously, a whole bunch of fire Brett Browns. Shake Milton should be... In the G League, like I had, I got a you, tweet that Shake wasn't an NBA player. Yeah, yeah. Like if you had like a Sixers bingo, like we hit them all on that game, which was a one twenty seven to one twenty one loss to the Indiana Pacers, the Malcolm Brogdon list, uh, Demontis Sabonis list, Indiana Pacers, who now have a leg up for that fifth seed. Two Although legs Sixers, up. Well, two legs up. Sixers still have a chance because the Pacers are missing some very key players, and the Sixers have an easy schedule, but. Yeah. Where do we, I, I mean, I guess we have to start off with TJ Warren and, and the defense. No, let's start off with my head hurts. <laughs> yeah. I legitimately have a headache after watching this team play basketball again. <laughs> and it's, uh, man, what a terrible performance. I, I, I guess before we get to Warren, because he was spectacular and I do think some of it you have to say, Hey, like shake that guy's hand. He was. Great. All right, Brett. Yeah, I know. Um, again, I got a headache. I can't really use my own words. I, I just have to, <laughs> just have to say what I just heard. How the hell do you take this team seriously, man? Like that was, I, I know they lost by six. I know they lost to what seems like a good team. That was dreadful. Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, and really the only reason it was even remotely close is because of Joel Embiid. Uh, 41 points, 21 rebounds, four assists, three block shots, a plus 21 in 34 minutes of play. That means the Sixers were outscored 52 to 25 in 14 minutes 
that Embiid was on the bench, which was positively Greg Monroeian. I, I'll have to rewatch that. Did you think that was because Horford played terrible? Because I, I do think he played bad. He played bad. But I don't think he was quite that bad. It's just I, the, the lineup yeah. was just not working. But it, it was clear, like, and here here's my issue with, with the Horford lineup right now. It seems like when they play against Big Ball, like when they played against Steven Adams in that Oklahoma City scrimmage, he can spread Steven Adams out to the three-point line. But when you play small ball, you cannot get your ass kicked to that level. And I don't yeah. know if that's that's him and Ben Simmons. Those are the two headliners from that group. But, I mean, my God, there were so many bad performances around. And it's, uh, you know, I think every guard that played for the Sixers, and you can even include Simmons when he played guard. We're just terrible. Like, it, like laughably bad, dumpster fire, whatever word you want. Like, just unacceptably bad in that game. And it's, it's honestly hard to take them serious, seriously after that because it's just, that was a joke. Like, that is a team they should have beaten by 20 points. They had an opportunity to beat them by 20 points when after all of the bad stuff had happened, I think midway through the fourth quarter, they led by 10 when Embiid hit the bench. Yep. They caught the lead up again. 14 like, to three run. Yep. Yeah. 14 yep. to three run after Embiid hit the bench earlier and they gave up a 17 0 run. Now I don't know. I think Embiid might have been in for some of that. I don't, I don't remember. It's a, uh, it's a punchy post game pod right now, but it's just. Man, you know, they looked pretty good in the scrimmages, but, you know, in the first game that counted, it was the same story from the entire year, and that is just that there are way too many guys on this team that are capable of throwing up an absolute egg. It's insane. And to get a performance like that from Embiid, it felt like, and I wrote this in my recap at The Athletic, that felt like a game that you would see from him against the Brooklyn's, the Atlanta's of the NBA, the smaller teams, because he got Miles Turner in foul trouble right away. And whenever Miles Turner would come back into the game, he would quickly be greeted by another foul trying to guard him beating the post. He's amazing at that. And then with no Sabonis, they had to go small with our buddy Jakar <laughs> as the center, former Sixers point guard, Jakar Sanchez, <laughs> yeah. current Pacers center. And, you know, it wasn't just Jakar who was guarding him, but it was like TJ Leaf maybe got a shot at him. Regardless, they were super small. And Embiid destroyed them. 40, what, 41 points? Yep. And and it was just one of those games like the Brooklyn's and the Atlanta's where if anybody dared to step in the paint with him, they got thrown around like a rag doll. And he would dunk. And, like, look, the, the offense was clunky at times. There were a lot of players who, who missed shots. Like MB got a lot of his points on putbacks, duck-ins, kind of broken plays. I'm sorry. You cannot lose when he plays at that level. And it's just – I mean, it was really bad. I don't know. What what do you – uh? I, I guess when we get to the bad stuff, what uh, – Well, are, that's all I got for the good stuff. So we have to go to the bad stuff. What was the most shocking thing of the bad stuff? Oh, sh- shocking. Ben Simmons' defense. He was just completely lost on T.J. Warren. And look, Warren, if you go back and you watch all the shots Warren made, he made them on every, almost quite literally every wing defender the Sixers had. He made them on yeah. Thibel and Simmons and Harris and 
Corkmaz and like he, he had Richardson a couple times, a couple in transition, a couple on, on broken plays. A good chunk of that came, I'd say probably, I bet you when we see the, the lineup data, uh, the matchup data, I bet you Simmons is the primary. If we have matchup, uh, who, who knows? It's the first game. Yeah, uh, but sure. I bet you if there's that tracking data, I bet you Simmons is, is going to be the primary defender on him. And Simmons, he just, he got lost on screens. He got lost off ball. He gave half effort. He went under screens. He just, he was not locked in. And we very rarely see an off night from Ben Simmons defensively. He was not locked in at all defensively. And that was probably the most, like I look at that matchup and he had TJ Warren's had a good year. He's improved every year he's been in the league. Still wasn't a prolific three point shooter, but he'd been making progress. But you look at that and you say, look, if TJ Warren is going to be your focal point on the perimeter, like we got Ben Simmons, we should have this taken care of. They should not be able to score consistently. And he just roasted them. And that, that was for sure the most surprising part to me. I agree. That was one of the, one of the two answers I thought you were going to give. And, uh, and look, I, I agree. It felt like a lot of those wide pin down screens or, or stagger type screens and Simmons, you know, I, I know Embiid is hanging back by the basket. So that's a hard job for for that player to chase over the screens. He did a terrible job of it. Like yeah. Warren got into the space whenever he wanted. He he got into, you know, his sweet spots and the pick and roll. He he just did a bad job and for somebody who you know, I I think is is rightfully going to make one of the all defense teams. He probably make the first team all defense just from all the articles I've read. It seems like a lot of people have been uh have been liking what he did. I, I just wonder, like, it's part of the the question with him. Like, what, why are they not that good defensively when Embiid sits? Like, shouldn't they be better with him and Horford? And may, maybe that's too big of a question to take from this one specific roasting that TJ Warren gave him. Yeah, and I mean, look, Warren roasted him when Embiid was in the game too. I don't, I don't even know if this was a an Embiid off the court thing. This was just a he yeah. got freaking lost. Yeah, he got lost. And and to be fair to him, too, there were some possessions where, like, Warren just made threes off scramble situations, off yeah. Sixers tur- turnovers and, and layups. Like, yeah, I think Ben got roasted for way too many points. But, like, I, I just remember there's one possession where I think Warren was guarding him on the other end. And Ben, I think it was one of those possessions where he was playing bully ball and he, he eventually got a layup. I don't know if it was on a putback or, or something like that. But he fell down after making yep. the layup. Okay, like he fell down. It's a, and the, the Pacers inbounded the ball quickly, and they had a five on four on the other end. And it's like, you know, of course T.J. Warren is the guy who's wide open. I understand Ben is the one who's guarding him, but like, can somebody have some recognition to be like this guy is shooting flames out of his you know what? Yeah. Like he's so on fire. And yeah. and Josh, I know I know which player you're talking about. Josh Richardson sort of like lollygagged back. He could have. Scrambled over and tried to get out the warrant and he didn't. Anybody. And it was just, anybody yeah, else. Anybody. One of the um, holidays, I, like literally anybody. Miles Turner, I don't know who was it on the floor of that play. Get the ball out of that guy's hands. And I, I don't know, like. And like that last play, like, look, I get it was a deep three. He'd made two other deep threes in that game. Why are you doubling to go freaking slow down Aaron Holiday? Like, I have no idea how that happened. It's no. a good question. Matisse had Holiday one on one inside the lane. I think you take your chances with Matisse. Although I will say that did remind me a little bit. I didn't go back and watch it, but remember Simmons had the big steal against Indiana in the game in yeah. November. He, that's kind of the way he plays defense sometimes where he, 
he helps off and sometimes he'll turn his back to the player. But I agree. Like, you know, at that point in the game, I think you're doing the old Brett Brown, anybody but. And, and of course, like, that was bad defense. Warren had a second to shoot it. It was a 31 footer. Yeah, no, and he drilled one. it. Like he was amazing. How good! But he like was. I said, he had, I, I, I think he'd made like two other that were twenty seven plus feet. Like he was, he, <laughs> yeah. he had that. Maybe not thirty one, but he was. He'd made a couple deep ones. There. He was cooking, and I, I do wonder. Like I, I'd like to see, you know, in the in the heat of the moment. Sometimes I, I can, you know, I'm trying to take notes on everything I can. Were there more opportunities for the Sixers to double and just get the damn ball out of his hands? Now I, I think that, like, like you said. Talking about Simmons shocking defense, it kind of like misses the point a little bit. Like you shouldn't have to double if Ben Simmons right. is on the perimeter. But like, were there opportunities? You know, was Jakar in the game? That's somebody who you want to double off of. You know, in Indiana, for the most part, they put five shooters around the perimeter, even with their uh, with their smaller lineup. You know, when TJ was in, TJ McConnell. You gotta you gotta <laughs> be specific with the TJs with this Indiana team. Three of them. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was a shocking performance. Ben got back cut a few times by Warren. Just, just a stinker of an effort from him. And it's like, look, man, this team has to be the best defense in the league if they want to make any noise. And that was pathetic. I will say of the problems that we will go over in this podcast, that is by far the least of my long-term concerns. It's a single game problem. Yeah. feels like. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's pause for one quick break to make a request to you, our listeners. Most of our listeners are in and around Philadelphia. And what better way to promote your business than through our show? Our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you. And what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? That's us, by the way. To advertise on this very show, just go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. Once again, that's www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. And now back to the show. So I will go with the other answer that when I posited the question to you, what was the most shocking thing about the game? It wasn't that Shake Milton struggled that surprised me. It's that he completely lost yeah. his cool. Yep. Uh, got, by losing his cool, I don't even mean, mean the Embiid situation. Like he was shook. Shook. He got – just visibly rattled and like we sound like idiots because for four months I, I wrote a 3000 word article about it, about how he's the stoic calm player and how the moment has never been too big for him. And and to be fair, like I don't think the, the first bubble game was like too big of a moment for him. No, I, I, I hope that's not true or just everything I thought about him was a lie. But holy shit, did he get rattled. And, and like, I'll just point to the one sequence with Embiid. So TJ gets into the lane and he passes it to Jakar for a layup around Embiid. Embiid is jawing at Shake as he's inbounding the ball. I'm pretty sure Embiid wanted Shake to send TJ left on that pick and roll. That's kind of how they defend it. I'm not positive, but he was not happy with something he did. In the pick and roll coverage. And then Shake, like, like as Embiid is kind of jawing at him, like he inbounds the ball, Shake looks back at Embiid and starts jawing with him, not realizing that fucking TJ McConnell is right next to him, like the, the biggest, like, 
backcourt oh. thief you could find, the big like the bullshit steal artist. Of all the teams that forget that this is what TJ does, does the fucking Sixers forget? Like Shake, you practiced. You were on the team last year. Last year. Yeah. You saw it. I'm sure he pissed you off at a practice by like I'll, getting in your you shirt. What, the whole the whole TJ thing is much more fucking annoying when he's on the other team. Uh. <laughs> And he's done it like three times against them this year too. Like, you know, there was no crowd this time where he could, uh, he could make fun of them. But, you know, I think he, he got another bullshit steal too. I didn't see, was that Embiid who threw the pass? Like, like the, the classic TJ BS steal where the, uh, the inbounder just doesn't take note of him and he hides behind somebody and gets the steal. I don't know what happened, but th- that was ridiculous. And then to make matters worse, on the next possession after, by the way, after Warren, you know, TJ gets that steal and Warren on the scramble hits a three. So that's one that clearly not on Ben there. Then Jake drives down the floor with TJ harassing him and gets a charge. He charges yeah. right into Warren. And you could see on his face that he was just, just lost his cool, man. And it was. Even just trying to advance the ball against TJ a couple times, it was like I don't I don't have a good feeling about this at all. Uh, it was and look during one of the zooms leading up to the week, like somebody asked, like, "Hey, is TJ a great test for Shake?" And it, like in the back of my mind, it's like, "Yeah, look, I know he's a pesky defender, but like Shake's an NBA guard; he should be able to we, beat TJ's break." We said for years that like TJ gave all that effort in the backcourt. If you're like a real player, I was like, that was kind of, it's not fake hustle, but it it kind of is. Like, he's not. I mean, it's it's real hustle, but like, if you get trapped, like, shake your six, six, five or whatever, like, just find your help. And he just, he couldn't, he, he couldn't execute. He completely rattled. Only way I can describe it. And I, I don't think we've had a pod since then, but after the Oklahoma City game, in which the Sixers and Shake played well, uh, I should say Oklahoma City scrimmage, one of, the trouble points, and it was only a couple possessions, but Dennis Schroeder, might have been Dort, might have been Shea, got up in Shake's face. And he had trouble getting them into their offense. And afterwards, Brett was happy about it because he was like, look, this is going to be something that he's going to have to deal with. Like, there are a lot of positives to making him our point guard. But the sheer act of getting the ball across the timeline is harder for him. And it unspoken in what... Brett is saying there, I don't think he even said it's harder for him, but just, he just said that teams like Toronto and Boston are going to come after him. Yeah. And what's unspoken is that he's not very fast and he's, his handle is good, but he doesn't have, and I, uh, pardon the, uh, whatever here, but he doesn't have the shake to like bring the ball up easily. Like, and he doesn't have the speed that Ben Simmons has. And, you know, I thought going into it like you, TJ didn't strike me as somebody who like, yeah, he's like a little bit pesky, but come on, like, just like, you know, shield, shield him with the, like your, your butt and, and bring the ball up the floor that way with like your, your back. I don't know. There's, there's ways to work around it. And yeah, he, he really struggled with that. And that's something I think that is, uh, officially a concern moving forward because like, you know, they're going to play Toronto three or four games from now. Holy shit, they're just going to trap the hell out of him. And that's one of the Austin tough things. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the tough things about uh about having him as the point guard and uh look, you know, he's at some point something was going to go wrong for him. His like his year has been 
spectacular. He is – it's probably the only good thing I can remember that happened in the year 2020, <laughs> him playing so well. But like, yeah. you know, he steps in on the bench and when Richardson went down in Toronto, I believe, and he comes in and he plays well. And then they need him as a spot starter in that Lakers game. Comes in and plays well. Continues to play well. Then on that West Coast trip, he lights it up. Like he plays flawless offense with this huge responsibility. I, I was thinking like, all right, like when is the adversity going to hit? Like let's see what happens. I did not think he was going to lay an egg of this proportions though. And uh yeah, I, I guess we will see how he responds. Like I do think – what, do, do you agree with Brett and, and Embiid thinking that the uh, the sideline blow-up was not a big deal? I think they get over it, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just – I mean, that, that that's sort of Embiid sometimes. Like if you don't – if especially with that pick-and-roll coverage, if you don't do what he's expecting you to and you make a couple lazy passes like that, it, it doesn't shock me that Embiid reacted that way. Um it would it would take more than one blow up for me to be concerned. I agree, and I do think like in general that arguments like that can be healthy. Like I, I think one of the things that have um I think the only the only reason I would disagree with it in this instance is because Shake was struggling so much. Yeah. Like if this was just a normal game where Shake was having some ups, some downs, and he made a stupid play or a stupid series of play, then yes. But because Shake was struggling so much and it was his first official game in that starting lineup. I think maybe if it, a perfect world, you would have liked to have seen Embiid lift him up a little bit more. But I don't think this is like long-term damaging. It's just, you know. I, I was getting there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's, uh, it, it wasn't helpful. But like in, in some scenarios, I think it's better to have a blow up um, instead of like letting things linger and being passive-aggressive. The, uh, the counterpoint, in, in addition to what you said – like sometimes that's because there's two players who have played together a lot. Like that would be and, – and I'm sure this would make first take for a week. But if like Simmons and Embiid blew up about a pick and roll coverage or something like that. you know. And, I, and I'm not saying that would be good. I'm just saying like in some scenarios, you've seen players argue with each other and that can be healthy. Yeah, this one uh, – this one felt different because – uh Shake was uh was struggling so much. But I, I think yeah, I think ultimately like Embiid after the game was like, look, it's basketball, it's that's something that happens. But uh yeah, like look, and that's that's part of what the problem was tonight. Like this team for a lot of the season, and, and Brett will tell you this, like they don't follow the scouting report defensively. And that was part of the issue again tonight. And by the way, a lot of that is on Brett. Like at some point, like they better follow the damn scouting report defensively. Um, and they just didn't do it. And yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was really a discouraging performance to get that level of play from Embiid and to lose just, I mean, it just sucks. Yeah. And then you had Shake taking one shot in 19 minutes of play, really just a non-factor in every facet of the game. You had basically three players and look, I know Horford got some shots uh, ended up with ten points on nine shots. They were good against the zone. That's that's the only other positive. Yeah, I, saw I mean Horford had half of those points in a like a thirty second stretch. Yep. Um, but you had three players in Milton, Richardson, and Ugh. Horford who like they basically weren't on the court offensively. Corkmaz threw in an offer. Uh, <laughs> it was just really outside of Alec Burks, 
uh, and Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid, you really didn't have, and I'm saying outside of Alec Burks, he made three shots. Yeah. Um, you really didn't have any offensive punch at all. I thought, uh, and I, th- I thought Simmons was okay. Yeah, no, down the that, stretch. That's, he, that's true. Yep. Yep. He had a size advantage at the elbow and, and he did some positive things, but My overall, oh, yeah, overall a bad game for him for sure. When you start factoring in defense, yes, but, um, offensively, yeah, no, he, he, he gave them a lift. Yep. But there just wasn't a whole, like, there's too many non-factors. There's too many, like, they weren't playing four on five a lot. They were playing three on five. Like, there's just too many people who are not involved in this offense, who are not assertive and aggressive enough, who are passing up open shots. Um, I don't know. When was the last time Josh Richardson had a good offensive game? Now, okay, that's a <laughs> well, little bit well, unfair. Well, it was clearly 140 days ago. So <laughs> we just we just had a hundred, you know, five months off. I get it. Um, but the, he has scored over 20 points once in his last. Hold on, sorry. He was a games. disaster tonight. I mean, he was a disaster. He's he he's scored in single digits in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his last 12 games. He's just, he's, he's, he's been a complete non-factor offensively for quite a bit. Um, and they need, they need more out of him. Like he was, when, when the Sixers are playing at their best, a lot of times it's when Richardson is playing at his best. And that's not because you want to make him a focal point. It's just because they need that, that one other guy who can give him a boost. And at times this year he has, but ever since he came back from that injury, he is just, he's not been the same. He has some wild swings in his yes. offensive performance. Like, he can be really damn good. And, you know, obviously he had that huge game against the Heat the first game they came back where he was just cooking. But there were other performances this year where I thought, like, even though I'm not in love with kind of the slow looping pick and roll and the the mid-range jumpers, he's hit some big shots. Like, I'm thinking that the Clippers home game, I think he had like 17 points in that fourth quarter. He is capable of some pretty damn good offense. In this game, and, and this was part of a team-wide problem, I thought his decision-making with the basketball was atrocious. Yeah. Like, passed up a layup on one possession. Didn't even get a turnover for this one. But passed up a layup and threw it into the backcourt. Somehow got a deflection and the Sixers ran it down. But, like, you know, I think they tried him at some point as the point guard. Yeah, they did. And it was like three possessions and he was terrible. He and that, turned, that was while Simmons was on the court too. Yeah, and I, I think they they did that because they were like, "Look, we're we're committed to to playing Simmons at the elbow. We want to get into that offense." And it, like, look, it's it's clear. I mean, they run the same play from the elbow, and the Pacers were overplaying it. So so part of that, I'm sure, falls on Simmons. Like, hey man, you got to carve out that space. People don't want you to catch the ball there because you're pretty dangerous. But a lot of it falls on Richardson just not being able to get them into their offense. And Burks, he did make some shots, but he turned the ball over. Simmons, when he was the point guard, he turned the ball over. I thought in the first half when they had 14 turnovers, <laughs> it was about as bad as guards can play, just like yeah. dribbling and getting the team into an offense. It was a disaster from pretty much anybody who did it, from Shake to uh, to Richardson to Simmons. And, and Burks made some shots, but he also turned the ball over. Like, like Neto was probably the best at it. And I'm sorry, like if, if Neto is the guy who's doing that, you're in trouble. 
No, I know. Like I, I saw a lot of like, how can Brett be playing Neto? And it was like, because he just wanted somebody who would not turn the fucking ball over because everybody else fucking barfed all over themselves. I think Neto was what a plus 12, plus 14 in the, like he was not. And look, I don't want Neto anywhere near the playoff rotation. I get that completely. He was not the problem. Um, I guess at this point last night. No, and you know, there were a couple of possessions down the stretch when, you know, there's another guy we haven't really called out, but the Pacers, I think they had Miles Turner in the game, so they were basically five out, and Bede was not in the game. Horford was guarding Turner. And there were two possessions where they went to a holiday Warren pick and roll. Matisse was guarding Warren. Understandable, you don't want to leave him too much, but offered very little resistance. And of course, Neto, like if, if you put him at a disadvantage, he's going to get scored on. Oh, I mean, sure. he's not a good defensive player. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was just a comedy of errors. And I guess the other guy that I haven't really called out, Korkmaz, was just awful. He got yep. lit up by, uh, by a few guys. Like he got lit up by Warren. He got lit up by Holiday in isolation. And I mean, like, look, he, he went 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, like, I know that's, it's tough to judge him on what feels like such a small sample, but like, dude, the, the reason you are in the rotation right now is you got to make threes and, and he didn't do that. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough game and he's part of the, the thing I was talking about earlier where you just don't know what you're going to get from some of these guys from night to night. And just overall, it was, it was a frustrating performance because their guards were an F tonight. Big winners of the night. Glenn Robinson the third. He uh he he helped his standings in the rotation by not playing. It's yeah, it's the classic Sixers thing where the guy who is injured gets uh gets a boost by just not playing when they uh when they barf all over themselves. But uh yeah, I would assume that whenever that hip heals, he will be very much in the rotation. All right, let's pause for one final break, this time to hear from Roman. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Sixers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Sixers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And now back to the show. Any uh, any any stray thoughts from that game? Hmm. I'm trying to think what else. Was there, was there anything else that I I will to- say, I was, I was surprised how much, how committed they were to Simmons off ball. Like, not only was it, like, you, you know when Shake's in there, he's going to run it, but Neto was running it when they were paired together. Josh Richardson, like you said, had a couple of possessions. Um, Alec Burks was handling the ball sometimes when he was in the game with, with, uh, Simmons. And I get that, like, you want to get sort of this offense in place and reps. 
But if, if you're in the playoffs and you're having Alec Burks make decisions instead of Ben Simmons, or if you're having Josh Richardson, God forbid, run the point instead of Ben Simmons, like I would, I would dial that back a little bit. I might agree with you, but I, I, I don't mind that in a seeding game. Although. No, no, no. I, I agree. Although if they cared about their seed. This was the one to care about. This was the one to care about. You could, you could not care for, you know, basically the next four games. But now we're looking at potentially Boston. What, quickly, what did you think about Tobias? Um, I mean, he, he had a, a pretty good Tobias game. 30 points on 29 shots, <laughs> three free throw attempts on 29 field goal attempts, no assists. Like it's Tobias Harris. He crashed boards. I like that. I thought he attacked the rim pretty well yeah. against a small team. He, there, there were a couple that I thought like, that was a nice attack. Got to make the shot, but he, uh, f- for as many shots as he took around the rim to only get three free throw attempts. And like, look, a couple it's of those. It's just amazing. It's an art form. Yeah, How do they avoid contact at the rim? And to be fair, a couple of those ran once. So, you know, he would have, he would have taken some more free throws, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, I thought he was okay, but the, like the, the fact that he was okay and you look down at the score sheet and think like, man, he wasn't efficient at all. Um, it's a little bit frustrating. And I guess, uh, you know, to take a big picture look at it. The, like, no, the no assists, like that's a, that's tough. I mean, I, I get like a lot of, there, there weren't very many people on the Sixers making shots. So I get that. Uh, but no assists on 29 field goal attempts is pretty tough to do. It's pretty. That's a, that's a Donovan Mitchell, as I like yeah. to call it. Yes. The, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's not great. The, uh, the peripheral stats. So I, I guess the people who said they should lose and try and get away from Milwaukee's bracket, they're, uh, they're not there yet, but looks like they're, uh, they're inching closer. In that direction. Yeah. Yep. I, by the way, I, I came around and said that I didn't think they should want that. Like, to me, the more I thought about it, and, and you, you in part convinced me on that, I just think Boston is better than Miami. I oh, mean, we'll, I think it, yeah. we'll see. Oh, Miami, I mean, Miami played great. Awesome yeah. today, but we'll see. I mean, hey, maybe everything in the bubble is, is different except the Sixers being maddening and they're the one constant. Um, also, it would just be, it would be, it would be fun to play Jimmy in the first round. It would be, it would be more fun if we were actually there. Then that would be really fun. Uh, or if this was a normal environment where we would go to games with fans and hear booing and all that stuff that seems completely foreign now that I talk about it. Um, but it would, it would, it would be fun to play Jimmy in the first round. I agree with you. And also too, like if they play Boston in the first round, being in person in both arenas for that is a lot of fun. Oh, you just made me think of the, the Boston press food. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's late at night. You know, you want to make a wow wow run? You could, uh, <laughs> yeah, you could it, do that. Two extremes right there, by the way, too, because Miami is fucking brutal. Um, you've got Boston, which might be maybe not the best. I feel like I think they're the best. They're, they're certainly up there, especially in the playoffs. They up their game in the playoffs. It's also free too. Yeah. Man, I'm getting hungry now. I got less of a <laughs> headache now because I'm thinking of that food. It, it's making me feel good. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we're talking like steak and roast beef and it, it, it's a nice selection for sure. Detroit. They'll have, they'll Detroit have like four different one. meats. Yeah. Detroit's good. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I, I, I like the pizza carousel in Toronto. Not that anybody listening to this cares right now, but. 
We should yeah. t- we should go in depth on the uh, <laughs> on the press box food at one part. And hey, we might be able to because they keep playing like this. We we'll, yeah, we'll we won't have, have much basketball to, to talk about. I guess that's the thing that uh, that hit me. It was like, all right, well maybe you think that it's better that they're the sixth seed. And I like if if the regular season if the uh, the bubble plays out like the regular season. Milwaukee is the best team. So like, I, I do understand that it's a, uh, probably an easier road to the conference finals. But I mean, I just look at it as like, if they're going to be this inconsistent to think that they're going to beat both Boston and Toronto, yeah, four out of who seven. looks yep. Toronto, who looks freaking awesome. They're just a machine. Like they just, they, they're, they're the exact they're the opposite. Anti Sixers. Yeah. They, they just play together. Greater than the sum of their parts, consistent, feel good. Yeah, they're they're a lot more fun to watch. And look, the Sixers have seven more games to uh, to figure things out. It probably would feel a little bit different if they went four and zero, and this was the the stinker in the middle. Like I think even with the easy schedule, we didn't think they were going to go eight and zero down here. No, I mean, look, there there's when you have a layoff like that. There's going to be some weird results. I mean, that's part of what we talked about back before we knew what the schedule was going to look like and what what the format was going to look like. Like, you need some games so that when the playoffs get around, teams are actually playing some semblance of NBA basketball. The problem is so many of the Sixers' problems just look like problems they were having in January, too. Like, they're not like – they don't look like layoff problems. They look like this this is the Sixers. This was a game that looked like the Sixers. They need to, in the next – Two games, and I think it's San Antonio and then Washington next. Yep. Okay. They need a couple of convincing wins. They need to beat the shit out of those teams defensively. Can you just like prove that you're capable of that? Because I honestly like forget what that looks like with this team. Hold a team to like 95 points. Can you do that? Probably not. But we'll be here to find out. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I think I it's know. it's those two, and then Orlando after that. Well, they, I mean, they, they have some winnable games here, but like, who knows which uh, which version is going to uh, to show up? I mean, like to be fair, as long as Embiid is not uh is not secretly hurt, which he, he kind of was after the, the last time he played, and they didn't really reveal it. The positive that he played that well, it's not a small thing. Like, no. like like him being healthy. That uh, that move he put on Turner for that dunk, yeah, that was nice. Um, and I just thought like it's gonna get overshadowed because of the Warren performance, but like the fact he was toying with Miles Turner most of the game. And uh, no, look, they 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 are like that's great. You just you you need a guard who can get him in their fucking offense. Like you need something from the perimeter. Um, yeah, and I will feel a lot better about. But I mean, you're right. Like that was an MVP caliber game for sure. It's just that the brilliance didn't feel like it was connected to something that was amplifying it, like a greater overall structure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's a that's a bummer. We've probably come close to the record number of f bombs, by the way, on this podcast. I would say. Yeah, I get every now and then I get angry emails about that. Then, like, I I'm, I'm I understand that. Like, you might be listening to this with the kid in the car or whatever. Like, I believe it or not, I do try to cut it down sometimes it's just i don't know 
especially especially when we're recording a pod at 1 a.m. now, the night of a game. Like, they slip. I'm sorry. Yep. And when they play like that, they slip. I'm sorry. Like, I I don't like watching terrible basketball like no, that. No, no. It, it was not entertaining basketball. I, not at all. Which is amazing because when you're dropping, what, a combined 147 points or 148 points or 248 points. Sorry, like I said, 1 a.m. Um, you would think it would be entertaining, but it was it was not not at all, not at all. Feels like the scoring is way up in general. Yeah, in these early which, games, which is is weird because I think most people would look at a layoff and say like, well, offense is going to struggle, but not yet. I think that's probably just about all that I have. I'm rambling anyway. I sort of want to get back to talking about arena travel food. Um, God, I, I miss I miss that. Um, Boston. Anyway, it's great. Thank yeah, fantastic. It's worth the drive. Uh, thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs> See you, man. Hey, at least we won't be driving back for um, exit interviews after a Boston or Toronto exit. That is guaranteed not to happen. Anyway, have a good one.